welcome to the Dixie Polis Podcast. My name is Lucas. This is Neil. And I'm Travis. We're Southern men, be reconstructing the South. On civil disobedience, we affirm that categorical opposition to civil disobedience is idolatry of the state. We affirm that civil disobedience is a proper Christian response to civil dictates which, one, command what God forbids, two, forbids what God commands, three, oversteps their jurisdiction, four, binds the conscience where God alone has jurisdiction, or five, have no basis in rationality. A just law is always a rational law. We affirm that lesser magistrates may and sometimes must disobey, disobey a lawless higher magistrate to obey God. For example, lesser magistrates, such as state governments, counties, and municipalities, <coughs> must disregard any order, statute, or ruling from a higher magistrate, such as the federal government, instructing them to allow abortion. We affirm that civil disobedience although sometimes necessary, is rarely the normative relationship between a citizen and their civil government. We deny that men's consciences, homes, churches, or states are bound by legal or moral inventions of man apart from the word of God. We further deny that civil authorities have the right to coerce or command obedience to the dictates of men apart from God's word. Moreover, we deny the authority of rulers to squelch civil disobedience if the free and necessary worship of and obedience to the triune God is being hindered. I mean, it just sounds like a very summed up version of the lesser magistrate, um, which I think we all here would affirm, right? Like that's standard Christian reformed orthodoxy. Yeah, Neil yeah. looked like he wanted to say something, though. <clears throat> kind of, sort of. It's, it's an aspect of this that doesn't really ever get talked about, but Paul... As an ex Paul in the book of Acts explicitly appeals to the higher magistrate at one point <clears throat> when he gets taken prisoner, he appeals to Caesar quite literally. He gets his wish, you know. Uh, so I, I don't want to overlook that because there are times when we should. Uh, I mean, obviously, like right now, probably not, but but for the sake of a future Christian nation, say you live in. San Francisco. I don't know this is an extreme example, but just bear with me. Say you live in San Francisco, and all of a sudden there's this that that you meet the 20 percent criteria, where you start to have an influence in the culture. The tipping point is in favor of Christians, but because of the way it's been gerrymandered, <clears throat> there's no possible way a Republican can ever or Republican. I say Republican. There's no possible way a Christian nationalists or a decent person at all can get elected uh, because of all the corruption. What do you do? There's no lesser magistrate you can appeal to. So who do you appeal to? Well, you appeal to the higher magistrate. And this assumes, you know, well, maybe the Californian government isn't as corrupt as San Francisco or so on and so forth. Maybe, you know, if they don't do anything, you appeal to the, the federal government, which, you know, gag me, uh, but that's just the state of things right now. But you get what I'm saying though? Like you, you want to have some, you want to have recourse in either direction is what I'm getting at. I feel like ever since uh, Truella wrote his book on the doctrine of lesser magistrate, people have gotten so hung up on that. They don't realize the other aspect of, of this, of this uh, idea, this principle, and it's that you can appeal to a higher magistrate. And you should appeal to a higher magistrate if necessary. I mean, that's what we do with, with the courts, right? You know, stuff goes up to the Supreme Court. You get what I'm saying? Well, I think yeah. people might just take it for granted because that's the yeah. assumed position. It is. But I just don't want people to think it's it's either or when it's actually both and. Right. Just like uh, just like in your local community, you know, you have appellate – you have um, – uh, circuit courts and district courts and all that. Like you don't want to just get stuck in your local reeky dink court and they have the last say and you got some idiot corrupt judge, some one horse town. Like you guys have seen my cousin Vinny, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so, there you go. 
I guess my question would be, and you know, I, I mean, I could answer this, right? And I think that I would be correct. However, someone else say in San Francisco would, would have a totally different view on, on this. Like, I have no basis in rationality. Well, someone in San Francisco would believe that the mass mandates have some rationality, even though I think they're complete BS. Um, yeah. And then, and then if higher courts or the higher magistrate disagrees with the lower magistrate, who's right? How should one proceed? You know, it, it kind of gets sticky once you get into like the minutiae oh, yeah. of it. Um, oh, and, yeah. and how would this work out? I mean, uh, this is nothing, nothing to do with a statement on Christian nationalism, just that entire, that entire concept of, of higher and lower and, and clashing together who's right, who's wrong. Who has yeah. the legitimate authority and whatever? Um, yeah, it's about but, juris- jurisdictions, yeah. But I, I, th- I think, and I might be wrong on this, but I think by ordering them in this one, two, three, four, five fashion, they're actually laying out an order of importance. So yeah, you might think something's rational, but let's walk back up the chain of command, right? Does it command something God forbids? Does it forbid something that God commands? Does it overstep their jurisdiction? So they're assuming that you've already gone through the process of walking through one through four and making sure it's legitimate for those other four categories before you ever get to the rationality aspect. That could be me reading too much into it, but that would make sense given yeah. how they're putting but see, this together. But in light of civil disobedience, say, uh, say my hometown, all the churches uh, organize a, uh, a march or a protest and our mayor and our chief of police being terrible people uh decide that you know they're going to uh quash our protests even though constitutionally it's completely illegal well there is no lesser magistrate to appeal to is what i'm getting so who would i appeal to well i would appeal to the state or or even to the federal government like look something needs to be done about this huh again i don't know what it would look like in a christian nation i don't know or even a a a southern regionalist government or whatever Uh, i'm not saying i have any idea what it would look like i'm just saying you know an agreement an agreement with travis it's there's there's re there has to be recourse in either direction like i said it, it can't be either or it has to be both and and there are qualifiers who who best who best is following this the sequence of of um what'd you call it a it's like a i call it a chain of command but you call it order of importance i mean order of importance importance probably a better word in other words it it basically gets back to wolf's point in his book and as you see on twitter and it's not just him i mean there's other other people have written about this but a Christian prince or a strong man, uh, an authoritarian, a Franco, you know, it ultimately leads back to a central leader who says, All right, look, you guys need to stop fighting. Uh, you're both wrong. You're both idiots. You know, this is my judgment. And boom. You know what I mean? Well, so let me, I guess, address the, the terminology here. If you go to the higher magistrate and you get the higher magistrate, to impose upon the lesser magistrate, then that's not really disobedience per se. That's going to the higher authority. So here, it would just be a matter of terminology. Oh, hang on, hang on. Who says it's got to be... Who says going appealing to a lesser magistrate is disobedience and appealing to a higher magistrate is obedient? Well, so the that's idea what, that's is... That's what I'm getting at. Well, well, but the idea here is that you can you can uh, appeal to the lesser magistrate to disobey the order of the higher magistrate. Yeah, and you can dis- you can appeal to a higher magistrate to disobey the order of a lower magistrate. <laughs> but it's not disobedience if the higher magistrate has ruling authority. Is my point. Uh, well, I know, but again, you're saying lesser magistrate would have ruling authority if you can if you can appeal to them. No. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if the if the if the greater magistrate, you mean overriding higher, authority. 
however you want to phrase it, I mean, he he has the authority to tell the lesser magistrate what to do within the legal system. But if the order coming from the higher magistrate is an illegitimate order, and within the framework of this, it would be those five categories, well, then you would appeal to the lesser magistrate to say, even though the higher magistrate has ordered you to do this, it is an unjust law according to X, Y, and Z. Therefore, we should disobey this mandate. Whereas if you're going to the higher magistrate, that's an appeal to the system. That's an appeal to the higher authority to come yes. and the case because the lower magistrate is actually violating the system itself. I see what otherwise, you're saying. You, otherwise, you wouldn't appeal to the higher authority. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Basically, an appeal to the lower magistrate is, is still an appeal to authority as opposed to an appeal to some idiosyncratic or individualist, like, like I am my own authority. You can't have that in a community. You can't have that in a functional society or government. You have to have some sort of recourse with an authority and a lesser magistrate, just no matter how lesser it is, would, would be it. Uh, I I know. Still a legitimate authority. Yeah. Still, still a legitimate authority in keeping with the system of governance in which the higher magistrate is a part of. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Got it. Anyway. Anything else, Travis? No, I mean, I, the, I don't want to, you know, start pulling more threads here and unraveling this. Uh, so we have to spend more time on it, but I would kind of wonder whether or not could a pastor be considered a lesser magistrate? No, um, they, they are not technically a magistrate, but hold on. But listen, hear me out here. Say if something that happened during 2020 happened and we essentially said, no, we're not going to close our church down. Would that not be them acting in a role of the lesser magistrate for civil disobedience? No, they're they're the. uh they're they're operating under the realm. So this would be the key sword distinction, right? So the magistrate is operating with the authority of the sword, and your pastor or or priest or whatever else bishop is operating with the with the keys. So he would he would appeal and call the the ruling authority, the ruling magistrate, to repentance for violating God's law. Or violating God's principles, or you know something to that effect, but he doesn't have the right to make binding civil judgments like that. He's slowly opening the bottle of scotch. All right, so okay, so last question, last question: Who would be the least magistrate? Like, who would be the lesser of the lesser magistrates? Would we consider sheriff. father as a lesser magistrate or the sheriff? No. Sheriff, sheriff, sheriff. Because then you're getting into the like a conflation of spheres uh, yep. of of sovereignty or whatever. You got family, church, government. I will say this: uh, Wolf makes an excellent point <clears throat> on his chapter on the Christian Prince, where he talks about uh, Paul explicitly referring to governing authorities as mi- as ministers of God, and uh, even going so far as to quote Calvin. Uh, who kind of ref- implies? Uh, I mean, it's 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 a rhetorical device. It is not. He's not. When Calvin refers to governing authorities as many gods, uh, he's not literally meaning like some sort of henotheistic. He means that little authorities. Right. Yeah. Right. So. I, <clears throat> so basically, that it's not just. It's not just the key and the sword. It's also the the gospel and the law is another way of looking at it too. Like the the governing authorities need to be enforcing the law, God's law. Now, how best it's articulated and uh, codified, depending on particularities of that of that culture and society. That's what that's the difference, right? Right. You know who knows? I mean. The Mosaic Law might be the perfect setup for some countries, like like Israel, maybe. <laughs> I jest. 
But I'm saying, like, that's another point he makes in this book that, you know, uh, God's law is going to be it's going to be articulated and codified in various ways, depending on the particularities of that culture. I mean, some cultures are going to be mature enough. Uh, they might not have to, you know, have the death penalty for, for for theft or cutting off hands like you know, others might. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing examples out there, but you get what I'm saying. Well, and some people, some people groups may need a firmer hand within their own own people group than others. Yeah, you know. There you go. Uh, and so, then you get into, you get you get into the you get into the topic of penology and and, and punishment, and, and that's that's another thing. I remember listening, not to, not to open up old wounds, uh, but I thought they both lost because the debate was terrible with J.D. Hall and uh, 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 what's his name, Joel McDermott, when they had that debate on theonomy. I thought it was it was painful, but. I think I watched the first five minutes of that and stopped. Man, it was. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> but that was what the the debate descended into penology. Like, oh, you you know how the you know how the Baptists are doing right now on Twitter. The G three guys are like, oh, you're gonna execute Baptists if uh, if a Presbyterian uh, you know becomes Christian uh, Christian nation and Baptists are gonna get executed. And it's like, no, that's only you. Just yeah, just you. <laughs> Only ones that talk retardedly. <laughs> All right, we're gonna go to the next Trump moment. <laughs> yeah. Next point. That's uh, Roman numeral seventeen. That's right. Lucas. Uh, methodology. XVII. <laughs> we affirm. <laughs> That the kingdom of God does not advance by carnal means, but by the working of the Spirit in bringing men to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. We affirm that culture affects law and that law affects culture. <clears throat> we affirm that while po political maneuvering and, pol and cultural expertise can be good and helpful, God works most powerfully through the bold proclamation of his truth by his people. We affirm that God that God uses means, yet is free to work without, above, and against them at his pleasure. We deny that pragmatism should be the driving force behind the decision-making of the Christian church. Now, I, 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 I hate to be this guy, and I, I understand. Um, I think that there needs to be, this is fine as it is, I think that there needs to be a counter argument put within here that okay yeah we're not we're not all about pragmatism but you still have to be wise and you still have to know how to do things and you still, still have trade-off right but but my point is that a, a lot of times this kind of argument you know pragmatism let's just avoid pragmatism well, you shouldn't avoid pragmatism because pragmatism is actually a really good thing. You shouldn't be ruled by pragmatism, but you should use pragmatic approaches to doing what you need to do to get where you need to be. Does that make sense? Well, that kind of goes along with what I was saying about cultural and societal particularities. I mean, yeah, some things aren't aren't necessary for certain cultures. It's just the reality and other other laws uh are uh, I'll, I'll i'll fully recognize i'm nitpicking right now so i mean kind of we deny pragmatism should be the driving force behind the decision making of a christian movement okay well I, okay behind the decision making of a christian movement okay i can agree with that i can agree with that solidly but like in terms of in terms of like how to vote right now, this could very easily uh, fall prey to the purity test. You know, that's what of, I mean. Yeah. Uh, of two evils, uh, don't choose a lesser, choose neither. Like, I hate the guy. So, so stupid because by choosing neither, you're, you're in effect choosing the worst evil. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not. Inaction is still a choice. Yeah, inaction is still a choice. And it's like uh, in politics, you don't have the luxury. 
you don't have the luxury of clean hands and and transcending the fray you know you're in it like whether whether or not you want to be part of politics you're part of politics like that's just the cold hard truth that's the reality well to fight a cliche with a cliche i said and i've repeated that the only reason why i care about politics is because politics cares about me you know virgil walker you know (laughs) it's so funny man i remember when i was first friends with him on facebook man he this guy never even heard of thomas soul he never heard of Time of Soul until, uh, uh, what was it, the Ferguson riots or something like that? Him and, uh, him and old Daryl started that uh, podcast. My point is, though, like, a lot of guys from that community, TMS, I even worked on security with a guy there uh, who, you know, you shouldn't be quoting Time of Soul. You shouldn't be quoting Shelby Steele because – uh, these guys aren't professed Christians, you know, what, what authority do they have? And it's like, they have a lot of authority because they know what they're talking about. <laughs> they're, they're analyzing the, they're analyzing the data and the information, giving you evidence for certain realities. Like, I mean, do I agree with everything Thomas Sowell says? No, but his, his idea about trade-offs, like you're not going to have a perfect choice. You're never going to have a perfect choice ever. And if you want things to descend into total chaos, completely abstain, completely abstain and watch or watch the planet go to hell in a handbasket, which is essentially what they're all arguing for, except of course, which is unless, exactly what's happened. Unless they tell Grace Community Church not to hold worship. And then all of a sudden, oh, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's funny where they where they draw their lines. Right. You know? No transient kids. Our transient kids is okay. Let's, but don't tell us we can't have church. So, all right. Well, <laughs> I, I th- uh, Travis, you got anything for this point? Oh, uh, I have my nitpick. Nothing that y'all haven't already said. I was going to bring up the whole um, that you know maybe voting for Trump would be, would would have been in 2016 very pragmatic. And I, and I think that was a good pragmatic choice because we did actually get some conservative judges on the on the bench, and they did actually overturn Roe v. Wade. So, but that should not be a driving force. So, um, but other than that, no, we we, we can just scoot on along. We might actually finish the statement tonight. We just might. War. Oh. We affirm that war is only to be waged one for a just cause by a just magistrate involving the protection of human life from persecution two, as a last resort when peaceful methods of conflict resolution have been diligently pursued and exhausted three in pursuit of achievable goals four with the pure motive and intention of establishing peace and justice as quickly as possible and five by moral means that scrupulously avoid civilian casualties and only inflicts as much violence as is necessary for the achievement of the objective. Y'all, sure. need to read some, y'all need to read some Stonewall. Uh, we affirm that even when a war is just according to the above criteria, nations should be extremely cautious in discerning whether a proposed war is wise, get, taking every contingency into account. We affirm that many wars throughout history have been waged for sin- sinful purposes, such as greed, revenge, and lust for power and fortune. We deny that war is ever a means by which the gospel or simply good ideas about government and society are to be spread. So I would have a sharp disagreement with them there. We deny that holy wars are ever morally permissible. We deny that governments may coerce civilian participation in unjust wars. So um, as, as my proof... Uh, as a rejection of this first denial, I would point to the Spanish, who were perfectly <laughs> legitimate yeah. in destroying the Aztecs and the Mayans to stop human sacrifices and spread the gospel. I think that was a legitimate means to spread the gospel in that case. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the rest of this I agree with, so I'm not... 
What about deny that holy wars are ever morally permissible? I guess that de- that that would depend on how they define holy wars. Well, yeah, that's like, obviously aimed think, at the Crusades. Yeah, I don't think the Crusades were wholly wholly wrong. That's a that's a that's a totally Baptist take. No offense, guys. <laughs> I'm not offended. I agree with with your, um, I guess secondhand yeah. dismissal, because Baptists <laughs> are pretty pretty gay about this topic. No offense, Baptists. I'm about they, they, they'll, um, they, they'll decry the Crusades, but they're okay with, you know, W. Bush invading Iraq. Yeah. yeah. They don't, and they deny conscription. That la- that last one. Look, I used to be against conscription too, but let's think about this for a minute. If our community is under attack by outer forces, and we have already expended our manpower like we're in need of bodies and you have able-bodied men to fight i don't see how conscription should be a a problem like if you like i think you should be given the choice to pack your bags and leave the community or fight but i don't think i don't think you should get to stay in a, a attempt to live as though nothing's happening okay so i think this depends i I think this depends though so i'm against a standing army if you do not have a standing army yeah i'm against the sheriff calling to arms calling the people to arms every able-bodied man has the obligation to defend his neighborhood and therefore becomes the capital M militia that the constitution referred to. Yeah. Whereas if you have a nation with a standing army, especially if it's a volunteer army, then you absolutely are legitimate in denying conscription. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different model for community defense. So, uh, under our current, military system, the way that we operate our military, I would agree that conscription is wrong. Because we have an all-volunteer military and you know, a lot of these people that are coming out of the military, the, the, the national military, are going into the, the the Coast Guards or local militias or something like that. Because they still want to be warriors, they just don't want to be warriors for the big gay. Um, or they join the three percenters or something. Right. Like so yeah. it, it's the same. They're, they're trying to fall into the same profession. They just don't want to fight for a bunch of faggotry. Whereas in this case, <laughs> well, am, am I wrong? <laughs> uh, so the, in, in the case that I'm talking about, if we eliminate the standing army, then your local sheriff would, you know, if we want to update this to the, the modern, you know, 21st century instead of the, the, the town bell ringing and everybody grabbing their swords and running outside, you know, there'd probably be something like the Amber Alert where you'd get a you'd get a message and say, hey, listen, you know, we have an invading force coming. You need to defend your neighborhood. And then the, you would go outside and organize. So, yeah. and, and in the case like that, where it's a, it's more of a militia system for, for community defense, then I would say that conscripting you is is the second option after you fail to present yourself for duty. Yeah. Or pack your bags and leave. Like banishment. Banishment's not a, <laughs> I'm saying banishment's not a uh, terrible option either. Like, I don't understand why you would want someone in your community who's agreed. So that's another thing too, man. It's like, I know people, the social contract quote unquote gets a bad rap, but what, it's when we talk about social contract, what most people have in mind is John Locke or, or Karl Marx or, or something like that. But there's a, an even older concept. Uh, what is, what does Edmund Burke call it? Jeez. Oh, Edmund Burke has, a, there's a, a phrase that he used, but it's basically a con it's basically an agreement or, or covenant rather with, your ancestors, your 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 neighbors, and your posterity, 
like your actions <clears throat> either are an effect of those prior or it's going to affect those after you so like all your decisions need to be made with that in mind and so like if you agree to be a part of this community in any meaningful sense then you agree to be part and parcel to, to its defense and now like i said now this is what i'm getting back to what we said on the previous episode particularities cultural particularities matter we're right. not the japanese you know in japan you know they were getting ready to they were getting ready for the american invasion force in world war ii and men it wasn't just men that were going to be fighting it was going to be children and women yeah everybody everybody was arming up everybody was getting ready like do we want that in the west i don't i don't particularly want that germans want did it daughter. yeah they did but it also gets down to the point of how desperate a community is i mean is is the is the response organic like if if kids are picking up weapons and, and killing the enemy out of some organic measure, I'm all for that, man. But like, if you're conscripting well, kids, like a, a what was his name, Coney, in Africa, like that's yeah. Well, I, I meant more. Um, I guess what I'm talking about is the more organic response because the the Romans uh, talked about how they had great respect for the Germanic women because when they would invade the Germanic women would rather pick up swords and fight to the death to defend their homes after their husbands had already died rather than oh, be yeah. taken captured. So perfectly acceptable. Right. And so that's, that's more what I'm talking about. Um, and of course that's not their place and that's not what they're supposed to do, but as a last resort for home defense, I mean, uh, especially in these, day, these day and age, you got a, you got a rifle that, you know, the lady can, can hold, uh, she can hold a few people off with the rifle. <laughs> I'll tell you what's. I'll tell you what's not acceptable. The seppuku after you've been under siege, like they did at Masada, that was the cowards out, cowards way out. You don't kill yep. all the men, women. You don't kill the women and children and the old people just because you don't want to surrender. Bro, don't I don't know. People like that. I don't know how you sit there and take your own family's life like that. I don't. I don't. And, it, and I these don't, people yeah. look back on that like it's a heroic moment in their history no uh -uh. Like we didn't get we didn't give in to the romans we killed ourselves we right. killed our right. children and our women it's like just i mean i'm not gonna go too far with that because i ain't trying to get our show taken off spotify but uh <laughs> let's let's just say some cultures are better than other cultures okay and some yes. cultures were were, were spread afar by God's order because they deserved it and they demonstrated it time and time again in their own history. And like the Mayans. Like the who? Like the Mayans. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's what we'll call them. Mayans. It's <laughs> trying to save you there, buddy. Well, um, the Mayans kicked out of 110 countries? I know they were kicked out of like 17 and they were all their own countries. <laughs> 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 oh man Spanish going 17-0 in South America bro <laughs> they, had, they had 300 people and they just eliminated three entire cultures <laughs> and, and that by the sword, that's they got by smallpox that's, that's right the thing. That, uh, that's just war I think eliminating like you said at the very beginning of this like why would Hernando Cortez care if he offends uh what was the king's name montezuma yeah was, one of them was montezuma why would he care you know like you're 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 throwing children at, how many how many people do they sacrifice in one year at one time thousands upon thousands thousands and people yeah. people get butt hurt about spanish colonialism and the uh yeah, that, that, the throughout this entire thing, I've been bringing it up, but yeah, absolutely, because it's it's all it, it it's, I mean, it's it's just white man bad is really all that is. Now the Salamanca school, which were Thomas, 
they did they did uh curtail the excesses of of conquest in 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 Spain I will give them that but they didn't uh they weren't total libertarians like the modern libertarian movement tries to claim the school of Salamanca but they weren't liberals either like a lot of these like a lot of folks have tried to have, have tried to claim they just curtailed the abuses of conquest that's all they did right anyway moving on <laughs> you got anything else travis uh, no all right uh article 19 article 19 of mago dei and equal protection we affirm that all civil authorities have a duty before god to uphold justice by e establishing equal protection under the law for all image bearers of god from the moment of fertilization which is conception we affirm that all civil authorities must reject all partiality and judgment by asserting the same legal prohibitions and available sanctions against homicide that exist to protect persons after birth and persons before birth. We deny that any law which classifies abortion as a lesser crime than homicide and which allows any class of humans to murder preborn children with illegal immunity as is a just law. This entire thing just seems to be about abortion, and I have no problem with it whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, so, so to, to play devil's advocate for a moment. Um, <clears throat> okay, so where I stand on abortion, you know, everybody knows it's it's bad. All that good stuff. He's a lefty. Uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a, lib, I'm a liberal, liberal. Anyways, um, I, I guess the the one the to play devil's advocate for a moment. I guess one thing that we could argue against the way that it is written here is that, say, if if it's the same legal protections, then technically the mother could get manslaughter if she fell down a flight of stairs and killed a baby, or killed her baby. Um, I know no one's arguing that. However, the way that it reads, that very likely could be a case. Um so just as an aside before I address your, your comment, the way that this was written, I thought it was going to, going to go in a completely different direction. I did too. Um, and the, the direction that I thought it was going to go into had to do with having the same laws for every group of people and every individual. And I do not think that that is just because some people, uh, let's say farmers, for instance, ought to have certain privileges within society. And so they are landowners. able to do things. They Well, not just landowners. I'm talking about people who provide the food for your people should be a, afforded certain privileges that other people who aren't providing food for your, your, your people would not get. If you're just a laborer, for instance, uh, you wouldn't have the same right-of-way on a road, I'm just using a, an example off the top of my head, right? If there's a shipment of grain going to the going to the city to be distributed for, for, for to to the people, then you should have to get out of the way, especially if it's in the case of an emergency or, you know, something of that nature. So that's just a, a poor example off the top of my head. There's a hundred different other different examples. I think I'm well within uh, British common law especially when you get into the idea of uh, slave owning or you get into the idea of um, certain groups of people not being able to vote. I mean, that's, that's a, 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 an ability to exercise force that is provided to some people, but not provided to others. So these are two examples that I'm giving off the top of my head. That's where I thought this was going. This just seems to be about abortion and, you know, if a lady falls down the stairs, to address your point, Travis, I mean, it depends on whether she jumped. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I mean, yeah. yeah like, like, I, I'm not getting it. I mean, it's a, it's an example, so, you know, it, it depends, right? Well, um, even accidental man, manslaughter, I think, uh, it gives you five years um, in a federal case. Right, but I mean, if not she fell, state. if she fell and she lost her child and it was complete accident... She's already being punished for her her mistake because she lost her child. 
That's what I'm so, saying. You don't you don't want to get. I don't know that. Penalty. I don't know that keeping punishment punishment on that is even a, a good way to go about it. Uh, what did you say, Neil? As I say, this is why you don't you don't want to get into the weeds of penology because it's going to vary. It's going to vary from place to place, culture to culture. You know, it's the, yeah. That's fair. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even begin to speculate on how how things should be uh, in that regard. I'm like. Yeah, I mean, accidents. The only time you should have that conversation is within your community. I guess is what you're saying, Neil. But let's just let's just go ahead and put you know, yes, killing babies is bad. (laughs) Right, and Christian nationalism more gooder than killing babies. That's right. So to that end, just I mean, there's not much else to say about it. All right, so here is the last point, Article Twenty. We're going to finish this today by God's good graces. On quote-unquote neutrality and the separation of church and state, we affirm that the church and and the state each possess their own sphere of influence. For example, the church officials ought not to write or enforce civil laws in their capacity as church officials. So this gets back to what we were talking about earlier, Travis. And civil officials ought not to administer church ordinances or to dictate doctrine in their capacity as civil officials even while both spheres are under the absolute authority of Christ. We deny that the separation of authority between the church and the state means that there must be a separation of God and the state. We further deny that there can ever be a separation between religion and state, as everyone possesses views about ultimate reality, purpose, and cause, which inform their morality and preferred policies. We deny the idea that a nation's laws do not impose morality and religion. I don't really have anything, even really a nitpick about this one. I think it's pretty straightforward. It, it's pretty it's easy to agree and walk on. Trav? No, I'm good. Sweet. But it right, is well, interesting to note that a lot of states... <laughs> a lot of states in the colonial period, they would not even allow retired ministers to run for office. Um, right. So I, mean, I do find that interesting. And now you see pastors, you know, well, look at Mike Huckabee. He's running, you see, he was a governor, and then he ran for president for a while. Uh, how many times did he run? Like twice? Something like that. Yeah. Got that ass beat both times. Yep. But he got a good radio show out of it by that going. And a couple of books. Well. Oh. All right, well, that's going to be one episode because that's like 45 minutes by itself. It'll probably end up being a little shorter than that. But Breaking, the Babylon Bee just used Twitter to fire their vice president of marketing. Apparently, you have to support DeSantis to work for them. This is hilarious. Seth Dillon and Gavin Wax going back and forth, and Seth fired him on Twitter. You want to talk about gay? That is gay. literally fired him, like legit. Says, being accused of things that are false and criminal doesn't work for me. <laughs> Tweeting like this with the B in your bio doesn't work for me. You can take the B out of your bio now. Damn. <laughs> what in the world, dude? You know the only the only two guys that I like at at the Babylon B is Kyle Mann and Dan Coates. I. Oh, he got fired for saying what's your Stop it. problem? What? Yeah, look, here, I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh check the twi- check the Twitter group. It's um uh let's see. Hey at Christina Pushtaw, what's your Stop problem? It. Seth Dillon, what's yours? Twitting like this with a B in your bio doesn't work for me. And then What's his name says being accused of things that are false and criminal doesn't work for me. And that's when he said you can take B out of the bio now. <laughs> oh, this is so like, funny. Can what? we keep this? Can we keep this into the in the in the show? Because this is a great interjection to what's going on. Like, because the B, the B is a is a great component to what to everything that's going on in our culture. Like they're satire. Like 
regardless of the fact that they're all this beast, because they, re- I think they all are, except maybe Dan. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're all dispensationalists, though. I mean, they had that one goofy doomsaying pastor on there a couple weeks ago <laughs> preaching against Christian nationalism on their podcast. I'm just like, oh, another guy who thinks trans and kids is better than Christian nationalism. Cool. But, um, like, their, sat- their satire has been instrumental in exposing the man behind the curtain, you know? And their friendship with Elon, which there is an active friendship there, I imagine, uh, that that's big, too. I mean, you have a transhumanist agnostic friends with a bunch of dispies who are scared to give them the gospel. Like, all this, and they're really good at writing satire. Like, this all kind of is relevant, in my opinion. I, I mean, I think the B definitely, definitely went downhill when Adam Ford left or sold it rather. Trying to find out what the hell this dude, this dude did. Like, aside from saying the F word. I mean, if I owned a Christian company and someone dropped the F word like I just did on this podcast, I'd fire me or fire him. I didn't even drop an F bomb. He said faggot somebody. like four times. Oh, that one? Yeah. You should you should figure out a, a good sound to like bleep. Not an actual bleep, but some sound like a like a bicycle <laughs> horn or something. Hey. A goat. <laughs> or like or like a brief a brief segment of uh Dixie. Like the, no, the I'm gonna do uh... <laughs> No, 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 it's just from Gods and Gentles. No quarter. No quarter. It's going to be uh, James White. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, my gosh, dude. I'm going to see his favorite theologian. Just for this. My estrogen levels rise when I watch anything by him. Well, you got to get off your estrogen pills. Now, he is an estrogen pill, is what I'm saying. Like a suppository. (laughs) Stop. Just stop. Oh, that's what happened. Tell me. Link it. Okay. Pull that shit so, up. So what they're trying to do is he was he was getting mad at this Christina Pushal, whatever you say her name. Um because she's trying to talk about how he used to work for Gitter. And so because he worked for Gitter, he worked for Trump, and so he's a paid like Defender of Donald Trump. That's stupid. And so he's saying, what do you... His his what's your effing problem has to do with they're trying to make a big conspiracy over the fact that he used to work for Gitter. And he's somehow responsible for something Gitter did. Like, let's see. Gavin Mario Wax used to receive a paycheck that was financed by... Ho Wan Quok, also known as Miles Guo, ask him. So basically, he's getting paid off by foreign nationals to defend Trump, is the idea. It's this whole DeSantis Trump like battle. And it's it's super gay that it gets into Q levels of retardation. It just makes me want to vote for Biden. You mean RFK? No, I mean Biden. No. Yeah, I mean Biden. I mean, I want everything mm-hmm. to burn to the ground, so I'm going to vote for the worst possible person. I, 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 not that I like Biden. I just want to burn seriously, it all. Seriously, though, I was serious about... Uh, so in North Carolina, if you're unaffiliated, you can vote in either, not both, but either primary. I'm going to vote Democrat primary. And I'm gonna. it's going to be a spoiler vote all the way down. Like nice. everybody, every popular candidate, I'm voting against. And then when it gets to the president, I'm voting for RFK. I can't do that because the truth is, man, if if uh, DeSantis and Trump destroy each other in a Pyrrhic uh, primary, which it They're will be Pyrrhic, um, 
they're going to lose in the national level. And if they lose in the national level, <laughs> I mean, RFK is like really the only hope. But here's the thing. I think at the very last minute, Biden's going to say, oh, you know what? I got bad health. I'm not going to run after all. But I support Michelle Obama. And then that dude's going to run. And <laughs> RFK is not going to win. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it. And check out our Gab page at Dixie Polis Podcast. If you want to contact us, please send an email to DixiePolis at ProtonMail.com or send us a message on Gab. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised, and you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website at SouthernRaisedBluegrass.com. God bless y'all. Oh,